The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a political analyst for WGN-TV and radio in Chicago and a columnist for The Hill in Washington, D.C. You can read my column on the presidential race in The Hill every Monday. Just Google muckrack.com front slash Brad-Bannon. That's uh, muckrack.com front slash Brad-Bannon. My most recent contribution to the Hill is my comparison of the health care proposals made by the major Democratic candidate for president. By the way, that sounds like a, a good idea for a future show. And by the way, again, if you have any ideas for a future show, uh, I'd like to know about it. And you can, uh, tw- my Twitter handle, if you uh, care to share some input or ideas, is at Brad Bannon. My company, Bannon Communications Research, di- designs and, and uh, polls for and designs research media and message strategies for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling and communications company, go to Facebook.com front slash Bannon dash communications dash research. I want to thank uh, my executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, who keeps me in line and makes sure the trains run on time every Monday. Today, we'll discuss the impact of the economy on the 2020 presidential election. Our guest today in the first half hour is the noted economist, Dr. Robert Shapiro. Democratic strategist Mike Fraioli rejoins our own Mark Rimaldi for the provocative progressive political panel in the second half hour. If you want to be part of the show and talk directly to me and our guest, Call us at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. These are the questions we'll discuss today in the first half hour of the show. Inquiring minds want to know the answers to these questions. First, what kind of shape do you think the economy is in? Two, In a recent poll, two-thirds of the public described their economic situation as excellently good. If the economy is so good, why do many Americans think, uh, if the economy is so bad, why do so many Americans think they have it so good? And third and finally, is the economy a helper hindrance to Trump's re-election prospects? Today we're going to talk about what I call the fortunate son economy. Uh, Some of them, if you're very fortunate, 
you're probably your economic situation is pretty good, but for a lot of other Americans, uh, not so much. Our guest in the first half hour today is Dr. Robert Shapiro. He's the chairman of Shanacon, an economic advisory firm and a senior fellow at the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University. He's an internationally known economist who has advised, among others, President Bill Clinton, Vice President Al Gore, British Prime Ministers Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, and then Senators Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. He was Undersecretary of Commerce for Economic Affairs in the Clinton administration. His Twitter handle is at Rob Shapiro. Uh, Dr. Shapiro, thanks for joining us uh, today on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, it's a pleasure, Brad. Let me uh, ask you, as a professional economist, what kind of what kind of shape is the American economy in? Well, uh, we need to think about this in two ways. First. Apart from the particular pressures we feel on the economy right now from the tariff war, from uncertainty in the stock market and the bond markets, uh, the fact is we're in year 10 of the business cycle. And when you get to towards the end of a business cycle, and all business cycles end, um, a lot of things start weakening. You get less consumption because, or a slower increase in consumption because um, there's no pent-up demand. People have had lots and lots of years to buy the car, the new car they wanted, and take the big vacation they wanted. Uh, The same thing is true of investment. All the good investment opportunities, or most of them, have already been grabbed up. What's left in year 10 of an expansion is kind of the dregs. Um, And that's also true for labor. Um, There are very few uh, skilled workers looking for jobs who can be hired. And so employment begins to slow, investment begins to slow, consumption begins to slow. And then uh, in, in an economy which is already weakening, If you get hit by a shock from outside, like the tariff war, for example, or if there were a war in the Middle East and you had a spike in oil prices, um, uh, the, the economy would be unable to absorb it and would tip into recession. Those kinds of shocks, if they come early in the business cycle, the economy is still strong and the economy can slough it off. But towards the end of the business cycle, uh, the economy can't do that. So what we have is a slowing, weakening economy, which is now being buffeted by both policy mistakes from the White House and also by weakening in Europe and Japan and China. Uh, Every other major economy is also weakening. In fact, Britain is technically in recession. Germany is either technically in recession or right on the edge. So is Italy. Uh, And the growth, growth rate in China before the tariff war 
had fallen from around 10% a year to 6% a year. So uh, what we're looking at is a very slow economy. My guess is 1.5% to 1.8% this year and slower than that next year. And if we get hit by a big shock, the economy will tip into recession. Okay. Let me ask you this question, uh, Rob. Uh, if there was a president in the White House who would listen to you, and I'm pointedly um, excluding the president occupant, uh, who I assume wouldn't, uh, what would you be advising the president to do to uh, now that we're at the end of this business cycle and the economy is slowing? Well, the fact is uh, there's not much you can do to to the weakening business cycle. Um, the uh, you know, I suppose you could keep it going for another year or two with a big infrastructure program. Uh, and that's certainly when I was advising um, Secretary Clinton in 2016, um, that was what I advised. I said, look, you're heading in towards the last stages of the business cycle. Uh, let's see if we can sustain it. And the best way to do that would be a major infrastructure program. It creates jobs, pumps money into the economy, helps construction, helps manufacturing. Um, it is much more effective stimulating the economy than, say, a tax cut. Uh, so that, that's what I would recommend. The, but we've got other problems with this business cycle uh, that, frankly, the – um, uh, the president is making worse, and that's Fed policy. Um, our problem here is that we've had such low interest rates for so long because of the financial crisis and the deep recession of nearly a decade ago um, that interest rates have not what economists call normalized gone up to normal levels that, when you hit a recession, allows you to really cut them. Okay. Now, and our problem, and that's what Janet Yellen began in 2015. She began a slow process of raising interest rates uh, in order, not because there was inflation in the economy that she wanted to dampen. There was very little inflation in the economy but rather to normalize interest rates so the next time we hit a serious recession, you had room to, re to stimulate the economy by really cutting interest rates. Okay. Well, We're going to have to go to break now. Uh, our guest in this half hour is Dr. Robert Shapiro, who's the chairman of the Sonicon Corporation, uh, an econ economic advisory firm, and a senior fellow at the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University. We'll be back with Robert Shapiro right after these messages. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. See, the bottom line is, I know you like me, and this room is a love fest, I know that. But you have no choice but to vote for me, because your 401ks, 
down the tubes. Everything's going to be down the tubes. So whether you love me or hate me, you got to vote for me. That, of course, uh, was President Trump uh, in a speech, I believe, in New Hampshire, uh, threatening American voters that uh, if he they don't vote for him, he's going to take the economy down with him. Well, it sounds to me like he's doing a pretty good job of that already. Our guest in this half hour is Dr. Robert Shapiro, an internationally known economist who has advised, among others, President Bill Clinton, Vice President Al Gore, British Prime Ministers Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, and also U.S. Senators Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Uh, Rob, you mentioned uh, the importance of an infrastructure program to uh, soften uh, the uh, economy that's at the end of a growth cycle. Uh, that's something I haven't heard uh, the Democratic presidential candidates or the president uh, talk about very much. Uh, it, should that be getting more attention as in the uh, pre- in the presidential campaign? Absolutely, absolutely, and I think and I think it will. Right now, I think the reason. The main reason it hasn't gotten as much attention as, say, health care has or uh, uh, college tuition and student debt uh, is because um, there's less of a uh, difference between what the center-left candidates like Vice President Biden or Senator Klobuchar or Mayor Pete believe, and what the more left candidates, in particular Senator Sander and Warren, um, believe. There's no, there's no division between Medicare for all versus adding a public option, uh, which we see at health care, in infrastructure. Everybody wants a lot of it. Uh, and... Um, so it hasn't been a distinguishing factor. I expect, certainly in the general election, um, the candidate, whoever the candidate is, is going to attack the president for having promised a major infrastructure program and never even introducing one, never even writing a bill, much less trying to pass it. Uh, so I think that will probably be a pretty big theme. Uh, And, frankly, a big infrastructure program would be uh, a very good stimulus for um, uh, an economy that's either very slow or in recession when uh, the next president takes office. Okay, let me ask you this question there. The Obama administration uh, had a stimulus program uh, that started uh, soon after he became right. president. Did that help us pull us out of the, uh, you know, the 2007-2008 recession? Oh, absolutely. This is, you know, the by the by, two, by the end of 2008 and the very beginning of 2009, the economy wasn't just uh, moving into deep recession; it was spiraling towards a a global depression. And the extraordinary stimulus not only Congressional stimulus, but the Fed um, stabilized, restabilized the financial system, 
um, and stop that spiral to depression. That was a that was a different set of circumstances because it was a deep financial crisis and because the frankly even though the stimulus was important um, the most important instrument we had in that was uh, Federal Reserve policy and that's because that's the policy that directly uh, intersects with the financial sector and the financial sector was in near collapse. Uh, but certainly, certainly the stimulus was very important. And, um, uh, but the difference, however, the, there is a big difference between what we're facing and what we faced then. And that is that when we went into that recession, the deficit was relatively low and the our government debt as a share of gdp was low it was like 35% the stimulus um ramped up and ramped up the deficit um and in particular sharply increased the ratio of public debt to gdp and um now this president um has further expanded the deficit. Uh, so it's now, it was about $500 billion when um, uh, Obama left office, and he's doubled it to a trillion dollars, despite the fact he's in an expansion. Uh, and that means that the stimulus that we put in place for the next recession, both monetary and fiscal, um, is not going to be as effective as it normally is. Okay, and I'm, you know, I'm definitely out of my comfort level here. I did take two introductory economics courses in college, but that's pretty much it. Are, you seem to be telling me that unless something that government takes drastic action, up oh, we're going to break now. So uh, unfortunately, uh, I won't be able to ask this question. I want to thank Dr. Robert Shapiro. Uh, he is the chairman of the Sonicom Corporation, an economic advisory firm. He was Undersecretary of Commerce for Economic Affairs in the Clinton administration. Thank you, Dr. Shapiro. We'll be back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon after these messages. In the run-up to the G20 summit, Trump surprised his aides when he told Xi that he would not condemn the Chinese government over a crackdown in Hong Kong. I'm proud to be the president and to help my best bud Xi. And if he crushes protesters, you won't hear squat from me. And I'll simply sit down next to him and ignore those protest cries. Cause there ain't no doubt I want a deal for Chinese Trump made ties. Oh, hey, here's something horrifying. Iowa Representative and Master Race Baiter Steve King. Yesterday at a conservative event in Iowa, King argued in favor of an abortion ban with zero exceptions. And his justification was, let's say, unique. 
What if we went back through all the family trees and just pulled those people out that were products of rape and incest? Would there be any population of the world left if we did that? Considering all the wars and all the rape and pillage that's taken place and whatever happened in culture after society, I know I can't certify that they're not part of a product of that. You know, you know, uh, shocking, it's shocking, but listening to Steve King, I can buy that he's the product of inbreeding. That, of course, was uh, late-night comedian Stephen Colbert. And now we're back with Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, In this half hour, we'll have our provocative progressive political panel, as usual. Joining us on the 4P panel today is Democratic strategist Mike Frioli. Mike works closely with labor unions And he's here seven days before Labor Day to give us his perspective on the role unions will play in the 2020 uh, election. Uh, Joining Mark on the panel, as usual, is our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, uh, who is also a progressive political activist. Uh, uh, I didn't get a chance uh, to ask Dr. Shapiro uh, before the break um, a following question, he painted a pretty dire picture, I thought, about the onslaught of a recession coming inconveniently for most Americans, especially all the president who has to run for re-election. But I meant to ask Dr. Shapiro if you could stop a recession by setting off a nuclear weapon. Um, we'll have to ask Dr. Shapiro uh, back to answer that compelling question. Uh, anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, get to the panel here. Uh, back in, uh, 2016 presidential election, uh, Hillary, uh, 18% of the voters in November, 2016, uh, were members of labor unions or lived in union households. Uh, those, uh, union affiliated members, uh, 51% of them, a bare majority, uh, voted for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump, according to the uh, media ex- election day exit polls. So my question to our guest, Mike Frioli, is uh, are, uh, will the Democratic nominee, whoever it is, do better than get 51% of the union vote in November 2020? Mike? That's a great question, Brad. I believe they will, and I believe they will for one very important reason. President Trump has not kept the promises he made. For example, he made promises to steel workers, not happening. He made promises to coal miners, not happening. He made promises to auto workers, not happening. So I think a lot of those folks, um, the, the rhetoric notwithstanding, Either they have a job or they don't have a job. Either their industry is expanding or it's not expanding. But it's it's very personal. Okay. Uh, Mark, you want to weigh in on this? 
You know, I, I think Mike makes a really good point. Trump, you know, leading up to the 2016 election was very big on rhetoric. And, you know, people, I think some who may have, you know, taken him at his word, uh, despite the warning sounds, now have, you know, an absolute wide portfolio of evidence that he was full of crap, basically. And, you know, of course, he did not have their interests at heart. And now they're actually seeing hard evidence of that. So I think, you know, if people vote with their pocketbooks, they're and you know they're going to be voting uh, against him and voting for all of the Democratic candidates. You know, have I think uh, supported labor much better than Trump has, and it's only going to get stronger as the issues are talked about um, more so, and as the you know the debates continue to happen. I know there's going to be some also some different forums, public forums that the candidates are going to be at, so that'll give voters uh, a chance to hear from them, and I think that's only going to strengthen the case. Okay. Uh, in the first half hour, uh, Dr. Shapiro, who's a prominent economist who has advised uh, many Democratic, uh, prominent Democrats, said that we're at the end of a business, uh, business cycle, we're at the end of a growth business cycle, and we're likely to uh, be headed into a depression, a recession, excuse me, I hope it's a recession anyway. Uh, he said that uh, if he was advising Democrats, uh, he would tell them what's most badly needed uh, is uh, an infrastructure program uh, such as the one that we had uh, in the early first Barack Obama's first term to stimulate the economy. But I, as I said to Dr. Shapiro, I haven't heard the Democratic presidents talk about infrastructure very much. Uh, so, Mike, let me ask you this. Do you think uh, the uh, Democratic presidential candidates uh, are addressing uh, remedies for recession strongly enough? Because I haven't heard hardly any talk about infrastructure. We hear about climate change and health care uh, and gun control, all important issues, but uh, haven't heard any, hardly anybody talk very much about the infrastructure. Mike? And Brad, you're a uh, regular consumer of political news and legislative news, and the fact is you're right. You haven't heard. There are some candidates who have been talking about uh, infrastructure and putting America back to work, but uh, by and large, you're right. I mean, the issues uh, for the last several weeks in any event have been dominated by the tragedies in El Paso and Dayton, and rightfully so. Um, climate change now with uh, huge amounts of coverage regarding the Amazon rainforest and uh, the president there using uh, Donald Trump's own words, calling it early on fake news before he finally sends in the troops to presumably put out the fire. So, yes, we need to get back on track and we need to start talking about the things that Americans are uh, concerned about, pocketbook issues. Okay. Uh, Mark, you want to weigh in here? You know, I, I think Mike brings up some good points, and and Brad, you highlighted some of the issues as well. It's also, I think, especially hard to focus on getting ahead and addressing the issues that are in front of us when you have an administration, and, and we've seen it countless times, that is not only just 
not making things better, but actively uh, enforcing policies and enacting policies that are making things worse. So I feel like a lot of a lot of folks are just in crisis mode. It's moved from one crisis to the next, and that's going to be a challenge, I think, for candidates where you know they are going to have the advantage of being able to to do that i think you know on the debate stage um but it's also going to be you know unfortunately many other issues of the president's making that are going to turn into crises that they're going to have to still find a way to talk about these other issues because it is important to americans and it's going to help them make their uh decision of how that not only how they want to vote but how involved they want to be and campaigning for that person and get garnering volunteers and, and donating money, which is, you know, obviously, as, as you both know, very crucial uh, to the success of a campaign. OK, I want to ask Mike one other question and then we're going to go to break. Uh, Mike, uh, what is the attitude of you work closely with labor unions? What is the approach that unions are taking generally towards the Democratic presidential race? They seem to be kind of cautious. Is that true? true. Um, the one uh, labor union um, of size that I know of or that's been publicized that has made an early endorsement, the International Association of Firefighters, uh, weeks ago, maybe months ago, endorsed uh, Vice President Biden. And uh, so that was done. And it was done early. Um, and I apologize. I don't know of any others that have stepped up and made an early endorsement. I think most are, are waiting. I think some thought they jumped the gun in uh, uh, 2016 in terms of their endorsements. Some feel like they may have even gotten ahead of their membership. So I think uh, people are being, unions are being cautious. Uh, and then again, having said that, we must remind ourselves that we are in August of 2019, and I've lost track of how many days to the Iowa caucuses, but it's a good it's a good time away. There's there's time. A hundred and sixty eight, I believe, is the answer. Really? How many uh, days till the World Series, Brad? Uh, I don't know because the Red Sox aren't likely to be playing in it. Okay. Um. Anyway, we're going to go to break now. We'll be back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon and our caller Michael from the Bronx after these messages. We're back with Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. In this half hour, we're doing, as we usually do, our provocative progressive political panel. Joining us on the panel today are Democratic strategist Mike Frioli and our own executive producer Mark Grimaldi. And we've been talking about the economy in this hour. In the first half hour, we had a prominent economist, Dr. Robert Shapiro, who pointed, who painted a rather dismal picture of uh, the condition of the economy. And it reminded me that someone once called uh, the uh, uh, once called uh, economics the dismal science, uh, and it reminded me of jo- Bob. A joke uh, Bob Dole used to tell about economists. He said the uh, good news is that a bus uh, with economists in it drove over the side of the cliff. Uh, he said uh, the bad news was it was only half full. 
Uh, but we're going on to, we're going to continue our discussion of the economy anyway. And uh, joining our panel now is our good friend from the Bronx, Michael, on line two. Michael, how are you doing today? And my response to him is, I don't have to do a damn thing for you except to hope that the House and the Congress finally impeach your corrupt, disgusting, racist, sexist, fat rump the hell out of the White House. And then we can finally get America back on track. Do not tell me that you're the answer and, quote, the chosen one of Israel and the chosen one to keep this economy going. May I remind everybody of the, one of the companies called Carrier and there are a couple of other companies in which Trump said that he would help build, but then he outsourced. Look at the farmers that are hurting because of Trump. And these are the same people that have voted for him in 2016. So I think people have woken up and smelled the coffee and know better now than to ever trust this business con man again. A con man, a criminal, you go down the list. Vote for you? Hell no! You know, Michael, someday we're going to uh, get you to open up and really share your feelings with us. Uh, let's hear what the panel has to say. Uh, let's start uh, Let's start with this. Uh, my guess is that uh, right now one of the strange things is that uh, – uh, we have, in the last poll that I saw, which was a national survey done by uh, CNN, 65% of the American public described their own economic situation as excellent or poor. Now, my question is whether or not uh, a uh, the public that seems to be pretty satisfied with their own economic situation is ready for the kind of transformative change that the Democratic presidential candidates uh, are uh, asking Americans to accept. Uh, Mike, what do you think? I think they are ready. And I think one of the reasons, if you really stop a minute and reflect, I think we are suffering from Trump fatigue. Now, whether his 36, 38, 40, 42 percent, they're never leaving them. They're, they're sticking with them. But I think the rest of the world is out there saying, okay, enough already. I'm tired of this. Uh, he just bounces off the wall uh, from one day to the next, changes stories from one minute to the next. I think Trump fatigue is going to play a big part in the 2020 presidential election. Uh, Mark, I, I think Mike is right. I also don't. Th- I th- think that if they're going to look at the whoever the candidate is across the stage from Trump, are going to think, "Wow, that person is more volatile to the current economy than Trump is." I mean, to think about it, you know what I mean. And that's another factor of what Mike just described. But it's also, um, I think, when people are going to say we want stability. There's just the, the joke from Trump was I'm a stable genius. Well, you know, when you're talking about 
to your advisors about unleashing nuclear weapons on hurricanes to prevent them from making, yeah. you know, landfall in the United States. I, I think you, you, the Onion is going to their editors there, their heads are going to explode because they're not going to be able to write any more fake headlines for fear that they've already been reported as hard news. Um, I just think that you know the other thing is Brad. Yes, some people's, uh, you know, the 401k might be doing okay, but are they going to be able to afford to send their kids to college, the average American right now? No, not to the one that they're hoping for with how expensive those are going. And by the way, they may still be paying off student debt themselves by the time they start have to being save, uh, having to save col- uh, for college for their own children. Health care costs are going up because the Affordable Care Act has not been able to be fully realized due to Republican obstruction. And it could get far worse with the Trump Justice Department lobbying uh, to have the entire law thrown out. And by the way, uh, what's been called the lungs of the world, the, the Amazon rainforest is currently on fire right now. And there's parts of the United States that are experiencing climate-related disasters on a, a constant basis. And that's all the while our headlines are about mass shootings that Trump will do nothing about. So I think it's you, it's too hard to separate it all, Brad. And it all rolls back into to Trump, as Mike said. So usually the economy, I think, would be you know such a strong factor that... You know, a lot of other things could be swept under the rug, but I think Trump is a true test of that in all his horribleness. You know, I you wish, know one uh, of the having listened to uh, Mark, and I think he's spot on. But having listened to him and his list, I wish I could cue up the theme song from Car Fifty Four. Where are you? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> though. Seriously, though. I mean, Mike's dead on, Brad. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I that's a good point. There, everything. Um, there's a holdup in the Bronx. Brooklyn's broken out in sight. Yeah. There's a traffic jam in Harlem that backed up to Jackson Heights. Wow, with yeah. no with no mu- instrumentals in the background. There you go, Brad. Yeah, I just love that show. I just love. But there are so many problems. I think it's a good metaphor, Mike, because it is. There are so many problems. Uh, you know, I'm inclined to believe. You know, I've. I've you know, I just underestimated Trump greatly in 2016. I just, I never believed that Americans were going to accept him, but I was clearly wrong about that. And so when I'm t- thinking about his reelection prospects next year, I, I try to be temperate. Um, but, you know, if we are coming up to a recession, you know, Trump's going to be in major, major trouble because right now, if you look at the polling on Donald Trump, there's one thing that American thinks he's done a good job at, and that's handling the economy. And if the economy sinks, he's in big trouble. Uh, that's it today for Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I want to thank all my guests, uh, Dr. Robert Shapiro, Democratic strategist Mike Frioli, and our own executive producer, Mark Romaldi. Uh, that's all for Deadline DC. I'm here every Monday at 3 p.m. If the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise, and unless Donald Trump declares martial law, that is. Uh, enjoy yourselves. We'll be back together soon.